0: This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I've heard it from students who go through master's programs in education, for instance, as well, that what you're learning is more about, like, how to indoctrinate as opposed to, like, how to create a a well-rounded student in terms of their their actual education. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Dana Lashes, Absurd Truth Podcast. Looking
2: at Christmas, and I think I mentioned this yesterday on the program. I'm bringing aboard a conversation I had with a parenting expert on the issue of Santa. There was a report that said that Gen Z, that would be folks uh, born between 1997 and 2012, young parents, might be early 20s, they're saying no to Santa. They don't want their kids exposed to Santa because they're going to be traumatized when they find out. The other story of Santa, how did we, you know, Gen Xers, Boomers, how did we survive as a nation, right? Here's my conversation with Kim Mitch. This report says, uh, a report I'm reading says, uh, a sign, uh, it says, a sign of how screwed screwed up things are in society today. That Generation Z, Gen Z parents, and man, that would be some young parents in their early 20s, that Gen Z parents are refusing to allow their kids to believe in Santa Claus. Why? Because when they find out that's, you know, the whole thing about Santa, they'd be traumatized. I'll, I'll be very gentle. I'll. I know we got some kids listening right now, so be very gentle. They, they find out something else about Santa, they'll be traumatized. And that's why Gen Z says, no, we're not going to go to the, the Santa Claus. Right. Okay, so let me bring in Kim Minch, certified parenting coach. What do you make of that report, Kim? Let, let me get your quick thoughts on that first, on Gen Z and saying no to Santa.
0: Well, let's start with a disclaimer that it's not for little ears, but I will go ahead and say that um, I, as a mom of five whose oldest was fairly traumatized about the Santa thing. Um, I can understand why uh, the younger generations are maybe rethinking how they bring Santa into this, the picture of Christmas.
2: Let me press However, the pause button. Let me press the pause yes. button, Kim. You're a mom of five, and you said um, maybe one or two of your kids, When you, know, you had a conversation about this subject, right? That there was some trauma there. Yeah. What age? What age?
0: Age 10, my oldest son uh, asked the big question, and I decided it was time not to, you know, continue on with this, this, you know, what I had told him previously about the big guy. So what happened? And what happened? Then, start well, bawling, okay, crying, then or what? Proceeded, yeah. He proceeded to ask me about other holidays and other things, right? And then <laughs> I didn't anticipate this. The next question he asked me was, is God real?
2: Oh, that's that's right.
0: Yeah. There and and it, it didn't trauma. It, it it was traumatizing to him, but it traumatized me as a parent, quite frankly, because oh, you better be I just felt that. like, oh my gosh, what have I,
2: yeah. you know, yeah.
0: what did I do here? Um, So that, so I can understand because I, I, I you know, I work with, with parents and, and all the time and building trust with kids is a two way street. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that every kid is going to be traumatized or, you know, have a bad relationship with their parents around this one thing. I am saying that we are building a relationship with our kids Okay. and I can understand why the younger generations are thinking through and choosing differently when it comes to this based on the fact that parents and kids are trying to build a trusted relationship.
2: All right. Well, I, I hear you. Kim Minch as a, a parenting coach. We're talking about the big fat jolly man, Santa Claus and, you know, the fantasy for so many kids and Gen Z making news because they don't want to go the Santa Claus route and the motivation behind that, it, it could be that, or as a dear friend told me, hey, I heard some of these younger people say this myth perpetuates the capitalist patriarchy you know that, that comes from a, a different uh, point of view, but if, mm-hmm. if, you know, I didn't do the Santa Claus thing with my kids I did do the God thing and still trying to do the God thing as much as possible. I, I think there's a, a clear delineation between both, uh, if you guys listening right now are in that camp. Because one is creator of all for everything seen and not seen. The other one, it's just it's like anything else, like, like a you know, party, something festive, just a, a youthful fantasy. I, I think the explanation is easy, but the, that's just me.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, I didn't anticipate getting that question from my oldest. That did not necessarily stop me with the other four kids. It did make me think, though. It really did make me think about what, you know, what it was, what we were trying to accomplish with the tradition the way it was. So. You know, it's good for, I, I I think in general, it's good for people to think every parent's got to make a decision about this All and right. move ahead with their intuition on it.
2: So it, it was that 10-year-old, and I, you know, when when kids start asking you questions, one thing I've discovered is a, is a dad. These boys start asking questions. Many times, they already know the answer to it. So, but you still had little ones after that ten-year-old, the oldest. That was he shaking a stick at the other other ones and trying to ruin their Christmas As a result,
0: no, actually, I mean, I think with a lot of families when they have older and you know, then kids that are still young, they we in, we invited him into the you know fantasy, if you will, and um, he was happy yeah, to do that. We did that with our other kids too as they got older. And like I said, I. I I understand why parents are really thinking about this. I think the word traumatized is inflammatory. Um, but I did I have that experience with my Let's oldest. That definitely weighed on me.
2: So what else did your 10-year-old ask about? Hey, Emma, how about the Easter Bunny? How about uh, yes. uh, Mike Myers or uh, the Horror Flicks? Yes. Michael Myers. I'm, <laughs> what else did he ask about?
0: um the easter bunny easter the bunny. tooth fairy and oh, then fairy, and he go. was crying during the you know i was weird i was getting him ready for bed just kind of rubbing his back and he was uh-huh. crying and you know it, it, a couple minutes and he'd sniff and cry and then all of a sudden he asked me the question about god and i was like oh my gosh like i did i just didn't i knew the other questions probably would follow but i did not see that one coming and oh. um you know, of course, I I I did my best as a mom does in that moment to explain uh, my what the answer to that was, and you know, like yeah. I see um, it. but I but it was it was hard. It wasn't something I was anticipating.
2: Yeah, I, I see it as a as a positive, as a good opportunity to have. Because I mean, what else would force you or many of us tuning in right now? force us to sit down and have what i think should be a more regular conversation about life uh, the afterlife creation the soul the spirit Uh, it kind of forced you violently shoved you into that conversation uh (laughs) and i think that conversation needs to take place i think your baby boy your 10 year old was crying because he knew he was going to get one going to get 10 bucks for every tooth that uh, popped out of his mouth.
0: (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Possibly.
2: All right, final thoughts from you before I let you go, Kim.
0: Uh, I think that we should embrace the season for all of its goodness and all of the different aspects and not worry so much about the word traumatized. Let's just enjoy the people in our lives and the festivities that Christmas brings us every year.
2: Merry Christmas and Success in '23. Kim, thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Parenting coach, Kim Minch. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Folks at Wells Fargo, the bank, Wells Fargo, ordered to pay $3.7 billion, $2 billion of that restitution to customers who lost money, assets, homes, cars. As a result of some financial wrongdoing, one point seven billion goes to government authorities. What they will do with that money, I don't know. Record-setting jackpot winner bringing holiday cheer. Atlantic City, seventy-four-year-old woman scored a royal flush on a five-dollar bet at a progressive poker table. One point six million-dollar payout. Well, good for her. She shared a seventy-seven-thousand-dollar tip that was divided among two hundred and fifty dealers. That's three hundred bucks. This is from the Jesus. Please hurry up. Please come back as soon as possible. I want to be as delicate as, as I can with this one, kind of like I was with a Santa Claus thing earlier. Some guy, a really old guy, with a World War One explosive lodged in his—I use a clinical term—rectum. Went to the hospital for help. Got stuck. Uh, caused a bomb scare. Everybody evacuated. They helped him. Helped him out. Okay. He's an expert in personal debt, Reed Ullman. Now, are you an expert in personal debt? Because, man, you got a lot of debt, or are you helping people get out of debt, Reed? Which one is it?
1: (laughs) Um, I help a lot of people get out of debt. I'm a consumer bankruptcy attorney, and so for the past 20 years, I've been helping people in difficult financial situations reorganize and explore options.
2: Financial publications saying that Credit card debt this year has increased by 15%. They say that's the fastest clip in about 20 years. No surprise, right? It's pretty much all due to inflation, right?
1: Right. And also, you know, it is isn't due to inflation because, you know, the the Federal Reserve, you know, raises interest rates to help combat inflation. And when they do that, it raises every all interest rates, including credit card interest rates. So um, the pain, you know, is is being shared across all different kinds of sectors.
2: In the financial reports, we always hear, yeah, average 30-year fixed rate mortgage is six and a half, seven percent 7%, still climbing, da-da-da-da-da. But you know, I think the better, re, the more useful report, and I'm not expecting it to happen anytime soon, would be for a regular cadence of the average credit card financing rate is 19%, 25%, wham, something like that. Which, by the way, what is it right now, the average credit card financing rate?
1: It's 19% and some change, which is a very high rate um, from, you know, what it's been before. And that that's, you know, the average. So it varies. Some are higher. Some are in the mid to high 20s and some are lower. But uh, um, any way you approach it, that's a lot of interest charges. Um, so you're going to have to make more than a minimal payment to get out of that hole.
2: The credit card rate that you assume or that's offered to you. Is that based on your credit score?
1: Um, yes, it often is based on your, your credit score, yes. And, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is that rate is subject to change um, at the discretion of, you know, the credit card company. So sometimes I've had clients, you know, that are going along and they're they're happily, you know, they're able to make the minimal payments. And then for whatever reason, there's some triggering event. Uh, maybe they miss a payment. Maybe they are over... Um, their ratio of debt to income kind of goes a little bit off, and then they will see their their minimal payments double um, out of nowhere because the interest has gone up or or just uh, their credit line has been cut. So um, it's definitely playing with fire with credit card companies.
2: Reed Allman helps people pay off their debt. He's a personal finance, personal debt expert, my guess. What does one missed credit card payment? What late late payment? What does that do? to the amount that you pay in interest or fees or, you know, what's what's the charge? How expensive could that be? Just one missed payment?
1: So that one late payment is going to show as derogatory item on your credit for at least six months. And so that's going to drag down your score. It could also, you know, trigger an increase in the uh, minimal payment due or the interest rate on that card plus any other card they're all kind of linked together and they all periodically are, are checking up on you on your credit and how you're using other cards. So it can start a whole domino effect, um, you know, just one late payment.
2: I'm going to listen real carefully after I ask you the next question. I, I swear I'll be able to hear somewhere out there Dave Ramsey screaming, no! <laughs> okay, so here's a question, Reed. Do you need a credit card, at least one credit card, to be able to finance stuff in life?
1: Unfortunately, I would say yes. You know, there's a lot of places now that are not accepting cash. Um, you don't really want to use your debit card, you know, for a lot of online purchases because there's no – they're not as good as far as, like, making disputes and protecting, um, you know, your, your bank account that's linked to. So, uh, yes, I think you do. And also, you know, I've had people that I've known who have great jobs – great payment histories, but they don't have any credit cards. They do everything on debit cards, and their credit score is low. And so in order to be able to have a good credit score, you kind of have to play the game and just not get in overhead, you know, charge those, pay those off on time. And then that higher credit score can help you, you know, get lower interest rates, you know, when you're purchasing homes or cars. And also it can even help with stuff like car insurance. So I would say yes, I think you do need to have some credit cards.
2: Reed Aldman is an expert in helping people pay off their debt, holiday season. I know you guys, you're running on a Christmas high right now. It just feels so good to go shop for people and give all those gifts. But then you got the hangover um, come January and February, having to pay all those things. Now, why is cutting a credit card, getting rid of a, a credit card, why, why is that uh, deleterious, big word? Why is that? Why does that hurt you when it comes to your credit score? It should help you, don't you think?
1: So you're talking about, like, for example, if you like, uh, you have to cancel a yeah, car. Yeah, close an account, close like pay card. it off,
2: pay it off, and close it, and that hurts you. Why? Okay.
1: Well, it can, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always hurt you. It um, go into determining your credit score, your debt to income ratio, your capacity. So, for example, if you have, um, you know, a credit line, you dollars know, and there's zero balance you know, then you have a really good capacity score because you have access to this capital, but you're not using it. So when you close that account, then your capacity score can go down, which could result in a lower, you know, credit score. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's rife with, um, you know, with, with potential pitfalls. Yeah.
2: What if you buy stuff, right? You buy your groceries, your gasoline, all the stuff that you need in a week, then you go to the bank and you pay every single dollar you pay it all back and maybe put an extra five, ten bucks in there that's the smartest way to use it or do you get hurt because you do it that way as well
1: no that is the smart way to use it is to you know make those make those charges and then turn around and pay them off you know immediately most wealthy uh, you know people do that you know they'll they'll spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on credit cards and then just pay them off at the end of the month and then capitalize on the the points and perks and stuff that come along with that, and then also have you know extra protection on those purchases in case they need to dispute a charge.
2: Merry Christmas, Reed. Anything I should have asked you that you want folks to know about credit card usage during the holiday season?
1: I would say you know you know try to set a budget. If you have exceeded your budget and you're afraid of you know falling behind on a mortgage, car payment, or you're considering liquidating your equity in your home or your retirement account, you know, call a professional uh, who can give you some options regarding your finances, including bankruptcy, so that you really know how that is going to affect you before you do those things or, you know, put your property in jeopardy.
2: Much success in 23. I'll call you again, Reed, you take care. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. I'm running short on time. I'm going to save that fentanyl, uh, Rainbow Fentanyl Florida Man story for next hour because it provides more pushback against a brain-dead comment from Mitch McConnell and the top problem in, in America. Meantime, uh, police in Florida are looking for suspects crashed an SUV into a GameStop retailer. Yeah, they sell video games there. And made off with only $1,000 in merchandise. And it's the father of a 15-year-old who is a gamer, loves all this stuff. 1000 bucks that's like 15 to 20 video games or one good gaming laptop. $60,000 in damage to the store and no arrest.
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts.